are just grateful that we are here and that we are visiting. Those that were strangers at first, but then we became as family after just a few hours. We put New Testaments in their hands, so at the end of the day, they're going to take those home, and that's going to be a treasured book in their home, not just for themselves, but for their parents and their grandparents and their kids and grandkids and, and future generations. My name is Kristen Sanders, and I'm the children's director here. And I tell you, that last song we just sang, that there's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, uh, whether it is in our backyard or across the world, that is so true. And he uses his people to be a part of that work. So it's my privilege this morning to introduce Kevin Sasson, who's one of the missionaries that we support, to come and talk to us about his ministry. Thank you. It is, it is great to be back here. It's a special place, Cobblestone is, for me and my family. You saw my lovely wife in the video. I outkicked my coverage on that one. Um, but our family has served with your family for several years in places like Honduras, southern Mexico. Uh, it's great to see a lot of familiar faces out there. Um, my, my oldest daughter, Abigail, is with us today. Um, so we'll, we'll be able to greet you later on. But um, again, this is very special to be back here. Tell us uh, just one story of the many of how God has showed up in your ministry. Gosh. Well, um, holistically speaking, I'd say uh, God continues to use our mission to, um, as a beacon of, of light, of hope, of faith to the communities that we serve that are on the edge. And I, I think our mission has never been more relevant than it is today. Uh, you know, in the video, we saw a glimpse of the, uh, the villages that we we tend to serve and go to, um, they're struggling right now, even though you saw the, the joy on the kids' faces. Um, you know, the headlines are all about walls and, and migrant caravans. And real, uh, uh, headlines aside, the reality is uh, a lot of the families that you see in the video are facing decisions that you and I would never, you know, pray that we never have to face. Uh, so our mission goes to the front lines. We, we talk and we, we engage directly with those families. Um, in fact, there was one story, not pictured though, of, um, you know, we're going to places that don't have power, don't have electricity. So when we turn the light on in the classroom for the first time, it's very transformative. And there was one parent who saw this experience and saw that uh, his daughter was going to be a part of this school that has power for the very first time. And he turned to our, our founder and said, you've just taken the machete out of my daughter's hands, meaning there's hope that she doesn't have to go into the fields and work the rest of her life out there. She has a future and opportunities. So tell the people who are here whose hearts are being stirred, how can they get involved? Well, prayer, of course. Um, we believe in the power of prayer. Uh, pray for us. Pray for the, the people we're serving, that they may understand that God loves them, uh, that he brought his son Jesus to share you know, his love with them and that they have a purpose and a, a plan for their lives. Um, as far as getting involved with us beyond prayer, uh, myself and, and Gary Antonius will be in the back to talk more about some opportunities. But specifically, uh, we have a mission trip we're organizing for Thanksgiving week this year, November 23rd through 30th. Write that down. And in the interim, we have a solar school workshop. If you want to learn more about solar you know, apply your engineering or, or uh, science skills uh, for a one-day workshop to learn about <clears throat> how we're using solar power in the mission field. Uh, if that's not your thing, uh, please, we consider or help you, well, we hope you'll consider coming alongside our mission teams to financially support the projects and the team's travel. We're going to pray for you right now. So right now and this week, how do you want us praying for you? Well, pray for wisdom and discernment for sunlight power, that we make decisions that are aligned with God, that his plans be our plans. Um, pray for those that we're serving in places like Honduras, like Haiti, like Puerto Rico, um, that they, they really feel God's presence and, and hope in this, this time of uncertainty for them. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for Kevin and his heart for you and your ministry. I thank you... Uh, that there is no shadow that you won't light up. And Kevin's ministry seems to take a first step 
putting a light bulb in a building while introducing people to your son. So I ask for blessing upon his ministry, that you will make your face shine upon him and his team, that you'll give them your wisdom, your discernment, and your direction, and where to go, and how to love, and how to serve. But thank you for his work. May you bless it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What would it look like if we were part of something bigger, something larger? How would we even do it? Where would you even start? Are you qualified? Good enough? Do you stand out? We are reminded that we have been given everything, richly in Christ, so we lack nothing. We are gifted in faith, by the Spirit, with talents, for godliness, and for ministry. Wow, that ended abruptly. I was taking a drink. I was like, I got time. I'm just going to welcome to Cobblestone. We're a mess. I just want to welcome you to this family. If you would, just kind of give one of these to somebody right next to you. Just like a big, dump. that was beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> Perfect. Man. All right. So as I just said, we are a family here. Um, and, and so before we get into a series called Practicing the Power, which I think some of my more conservative friends are like, um, just take a deep breath. And then I think some of my more charismatic friends are like, <laughs> you know, like, you take a deep breath too, okay? Uh, we'll get there. Uh, there's some family business that I have to do that is not pleasant nor fun, but it is my job as the lead pastor. Um, we, we are believers that when you are in leadership, that you are in a public ministry, that if you publicly, if you fail, if you sin, you will be publicly disciplined. Uh, and so just gird your loins. This is not going to be fun. I might even cry. Um, yep, going to cry. Uh, so um, if you're a teenager, um, like a, a high school or middle school student, would you raise your hand? So um, those people, pay attention to them. Um, on Friday night, my brother and my friend um, Davin Eastman, uh, he was arrested um, for drunk driving. And so he spent the night in jail. We got him out of jail on Saturday. And now he has entered into a formal process of restoration and discipline. But what that means is he's not going to be doing ministry for a while. Because he's a public minister, we're pulling him out and we're giving him a lot of steps. And there's going to be not a lot of, just need to be a lot of humility. And he's shown that. There's going to be a lot of repentance. And he's shown that. Uh, there's, there's, and here's the thing. He's in this room with his wife this morning, and they did not want to be here. And I looked them in the eye, and I said, hey, this church is not like your last church. This church, this is what I'm praying. This is what I'm pushing on you. If you have any desire to go yell at them, condemn them, or outright just be like, let me tell you about alcohol, I, I will hurt you. You have to come through me to do that. My prayer is that we would collectively as a church gather around that family in a manner, in a way that grace would abound. Not like overstep the sin. The sin has consequences. He's going to reap those. But in this moment of embarrassment, of sitting in this, like I don't know if you can hear it, I can hear it. I can hear weeping happen somewhere over here. And so those same teenagers, we're going to pray over them. And, and, and not in a casual sit back, like if, you're, if you saw one of them raise their hands, would you just get around them uh, in an aggressive church body manner? Like you don't have to stay sitting. Like if you saw someone raise their hand, there are, there's a lot of them over here. Get, get over them. We're going to pray for them. We're, we're just going to ask, the, like when shepherds fall, it affects a lot of people underneath them. So once again, if you're a teenager and no one's around you, maybe you're like, I don't want people, fine, don't raise your hand. But if you want somebody to come, we're, gonna, we're just going to pray over them for them. It's hard. 
So as a church, if you see them today, do not give them pity. Give them a lot of love. Give them a lot of grace. Jesus, we exalt your great name. I thank you that your church, Jesus, is a place where there is no sin, there is no mistake that can't be overcome. But Lord, please, I pray specifically for these teenagers, for these middle school students, for these high school students, um, that you would protect them, that you would preserve their faith, that you would grow their faith through this, that God, you would right now pour out your peace, your goodness, your favor, your just, you would just hem them in. And as they start to ask questions, I pray that you would bring Christians around them uh, to answer those in a biblical, godly way. God, I just, I pray Satan gone, lies gone, that these teenagers would show off your glory in ways that the adults would be like, wow. And so Lord, thank you for them, bless them. We pray as, as, a, as a body, Jesus, for Davin and JC. We don't hate them, we actually love them. And Lord, you love them even more. So Holy Spirit, get after them. Fill their home, bless them. I pray wisdom for the elders and how to deal and how to discipline and how to restore. And Lord, help us be a church, God, that walks out grace, but doesn't just just sweep sin away, but deals with it. Deal with us, Lord. Deal with Davin. Protect them. Show them your love through your body in this room. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So hug a teenager if you're around them. Just, just be like, you're, you're going to be okay, kid. It's hard, dudes. And so uh, welcome to the family. If you're here, if you're new, um, you can expect that if there's things that happen, I'm really not going to not talk about them. We just don't do that. And so where there's issues with staff or there's issues with theology, there's issues with discipline, we will bring them up because we don't want to be I don't know, we want to hide things and be transparent. And so if you're a parent, uh, I can imagine if you're the parent of a teenager, you might have some questions about the future, about the plan, about maybe you're feeling like, I want to hit him. Please don't hit him. Uh, come and talk to us after this. Uh, there'll be a few, me and some elders kind of up and around here. If you're, if you're a parent and you want to talk, let's talk. We'll talk real serious about that. Uh, there's also a, uh, a parent kind of like forum that was pre-planned to just talk about parenting topics after second service. If you end up there to talk about Davin, I'll be there as well. All through this whole process, which is going to be months and months, uh, we want to have any, any talks you want to have. Uh, we don't, we won't, we're not closed off to you, all right? Whew. Okay, I don't even know how to preach now. So um, let, me, let me pray. Not just for, I know we just prayed. You're like, man, I'm praying a lot. We need to pray. Uh, this, this series, in my mind, is, is pretty crucial. This is the series um, that if I was being honest, I'd have to repent that I haven't given. Um, I, am, I am wired in a way. Like, I love theology. I love the Bible. I've been trained by some dudes that say, if you can't show it in the Bible, don't even, don't even talk about it. Uh, in, in my leadership and probably in some fear, I have to repent to you that I haven't breached this topic sooner uh, be, because the topic of the Holy Spirit and the, and the sign gifts and what does it mean to be spirit-led, it, 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 it scares me because if you let people go, I promise you some weird stuff's about to start happening, but I promise you one thing, that it will be biblical stuff and where it's not. We'll call it out. I promise. And so I'm, I'm really unafraid now because it's like, all right, I have this like almost clearance from the Lord to be like, all right, you guys say you want to be led by the Spirit and taught by the Word. Do both then. No, but here's the thing. When I mean in, I'm inclined, I'm inclined to be taught by the Word. That's how, I, that's how I flow, right? That's who I am. Like, I'll just hang out and taught by the Word land and just be there, but I also have brothers that are over here with the Spirit just skipping rope too. I want to bring those two things together. I, I think there's revival there. I think there's power there. And so you need to see this series as a continuation of the last three months. We started with fearlessly following Jesus. I promise you, if you get close to Jesus and follow him fearlessly, wherever he tells you to go, you will see some God-sized things happen. And they will not be natural things. 
They will be supernatural things. If we become a church that is pursuing each other in love, I mean, going after each other when we sin, getting in each other's faces. We talked about that in the second week of Fearless, or the second series of Fearless, was about this one another's of the Bible. If we do that, you know what you'll see? A type of love and forgiveness that is supernatural, just as much as all the other supernatural sign gifts. If, if we were to become a church, and I believe God is making us a church that is after the manifest presence of God when we worship, when we come together, I promise you, if God shows up in this room, you will see some supernatural things take place. You will. The church, the church is far more weird when she's not supernatural. Far more weird. It is more normal when you see the God of everything doing what he does, which is, I mean, all sorts of things. So this week, we're gonna talk about, all right, I'm just going to lay the groundwork of what we are, why we are, why I believe the way I believe, why the church has in its documents that we're a continuous church. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, we'll get there. Week two, we're going to talk about fasting and praying and how to seek these things humbly, not with excess, but with biblical intent. Week three, we're going to talk about practically prophetic and tongues. Woo, show up for week three. Uh, And then week four, we'll talk about healing, living it out, and then what happens when it goes wrong. Because I promise you, if I tell someone in this room to just go after the gifts of the Spirit, it will go wrong. They will do it wrong. And my role, given to me by God, is to hold the tension between these two things. That we would be led by the Spirit of God. You would be led by the Spirit of God. You'd be filled by the Spirit of God. You'd have the giftings of God. And you would be taught by, disciplined with, and in, I mean, filled with the Word. I'm, I am to hold those things. In each side, and I'm calling them sides, there's no sides, okay? Each side is pulling on me. And they're like, let's be way more charismatic. Let's have everybody speak in tongues. Nope, because the Bible says. And then I got the Bible guys going, let's just, let's neglect those gifts. They're weird. Nope, because the Bible says. So this, this is my heart, all right? So let me tell you what I'm talking about uh, in, a, in a picture. So uh, there's a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Everybody heard of him? Pretty famous. Go read about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Uh, big, kind of larger man with a big belly. Love, I mean, just boisterously preached the word of God. He is preaching the word of God in New York. I mean, he's got his Bible open, probably on his belly. I can't do it, but um, just yelling the word. He stops mid-sentence, looks up, And he says, there's a man in here who's wearing stolen gloves. The Lord sees you. And then goes right back to preaching the word. Just right back to it. Gets done with his probably hour and 20 minute sermon. And a young man comes up weeping and trembling with a pair of gloves. And he says, I stole these. Don't tell my mom I'm a thief. I repent. How can I trust Jesus? That's what I'm talking about. That, these moments of intersection, these moments where what comes together is the word of God and the spirit of God and there's power there, not fear. And so what we're going to do is look at all the things of the Bible that are the groundwork for why we believe. So if you have a Bible, go to Hebrews 4 and then go to 1 Thessalonians if you just want to put a finger in there, but we'll be there later. You're like, Hebrews 4, hmm, Hebrews 4. If you are a Bible knower, and you're like, well, I thought we were talking about spiritual gifts. You're like, you're in the wrong chapters. We should be in 1 Corinthians 12, 14. We should be just read Acts 2 and then just start waiting for the room to start shaking. But Hebrews 4 is my base for why I believe that 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 should be believed. Uh, so here, here's the thing about me. My whole life, I, I have been kind of pulled back and forth. between. When I first got saved, I was hanging out with a bunch of weird Holy Spirit-filled kids. Most of them were homeschooled. I don't know what that's about, but they were. Um, but it's true. Uh, but it was just this weird group of teenagers where, I mean, like unashamedly would just dance before the Lord, shout to the Lord, would walk up and be like, I was praying this morning at the fifth hour, and the Lord spoke to me. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, I was doing drugs yesterday. Like, you know, like, I mean, there's, one guy came up to me once and he's like, there's a demon over that girl's head. And I was like, you stay right here. 
I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over here, all right? Just weird, I mean, just like weird, charismatic, like we want the Lord, but what I noticed is that's what they wanted above all things. They were hungry for the visible reality of this God that they saw in the Bible. And so we would get together, and I've never seen a teenage group do this, I and mean, they would just worship with abandon for hours. And it's this, that, those moments mixed with then I left that and went to a Bible school and I'm not going to, I'm not hating them. They taught me a love of the word of God. But they taught me nothing of what I learned in youth group. They actually sucked that out of me. And, and so now I'm hungry to see those things married, those things brought together, those things to be what we are. That there's this, this ferocious desire to see God and watch him move and take and give. I'll give, I want whatever you have for me, Lord, that desire even if it's weird to the world, it's going to be weird to the world, mixed with a fervent honor, love, this, like this deep appreciation for the word of God and using it appropriately. And so what, what I see is that the two things of being led by the Spirit and taught by the word, they're, they're not actually opposed in the Bible. They're not opposed. The first century church, the Acts church, they, they were, well, they were writing the Bible then, the apostles were, but no big deal. But they were constantly like, and Paul, led by the Spirit, and Peter, led by the Spirit to speak. I mean, like, there's this constant language about being led, being filled, being, being driven by what God had given in the Holy Spirit. So Hebrews 4. Where am I at? A little more background. All right. If you go to Bible school, they will teach you very quickly that there's spectrums for everything, all right? Theological, like, lines. And so over here is, like, your Calvinistic, tulip-loving, uh, reformed guys. And over here is, like, your, your Arminius, free will guy, all right? You do that with everything. So you can do that with works of the Spirit, too. So over here is what is called continuous. Like, you believe the Holy Spirit still gives these gifts and does these things, and over here is cessationist. They don't think those things still happen. So I'm going to read you two definitions. One's from our church. It's in our documents. When you came here, if you're a member, this is in our stuff. Cobblestone Community Church believes the miraculous sign gifts of the Holy Spirit did not cease with the death of the apostles, but are still available to the church today. That's what we believe. That's not Andrew. That's like... That's in the documents, bro. We are a continuous church. We think the Holy Spirit does those things. We want to look for those things. Except, like I said, out of fear and my leadership style and how I'm bent, I have not wanted to talk about those things until led by the Lord today to do it. Now, there's a large group of Christians. I mean, brothers I love, read, would even, I, I think I probably had a couple of cessationists come in here and teach. I wouldn't have them teach on this. But I'd have them teach you about the love of the word of God, about how God saves, about how God is at work. I, all that, I'd have them teach. I just wouldn't let them tell you about the Holy Spirit because I don't agree. This, this is what they would say. The Spirit no longer sovereignly gives individual believers the miraculous spiritual gifts that are listed in the scripture and that were present in the first century church. It is neither the Spirit's plan nor his normal pattern to distribute miraculous spiritual gifts to Christians and to churches today as he did in the times of the apostles. Those gifts ceased as normative with the apostles. So to their credit, the cessationist is still going to believe in miracles, still going to believe in those like wow moments of the Holy Spirit. They're just going to say, as you just read, it's not normal. It doesn't happen on the regular, nor is it available. God's not giving those things. Hear me, I, I disagree. And both those things can be backed up with Bible. That's the wonderful thing about like theology. And so Hebrews 4, we're just going to get into it. Let's read it, starting in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So here's this, I mean, you probably have this memorized if you're a Christian, right? Because when they start talking about inerrancy of the Bible, this is the verse they lead you to. 
That the Bible is this living, active, breathing, working, moving thing. And when you read it, it is not just reading history. It's not just reading poetry. It's not just reading about Song of Solomon as a 13-year-old boy and going, <laughs> like, that's not what this is. This is a, a, the word of God that is active and it pierces and it changes and it molds us. In fact, most of us are in this room because the word of God got you. It opened you up and it showed you you were a sinner. It opened you up and showed you that Jesus saved. It was the word that did that. And so what you have here, is this, the context of this is it's found in a warning. This verse about the Bible is found in the middle of a warning that if you hear the Lord today, don't deny him and not hear him, but listen to him and engage him and do what he says. That's what the, the context of this verse is. And so if you just break this down, it says, for the word of God is living and active. The word of God is alive. Now, sometimes, uh, my Bible-believing brothers, we, we don't treat it that way. We treat it as a textbook. I mean, you gotta get your Devo time. And we just check off some boxes with something that should never just be a checkbox. The word of God is alive. It does things. It moves you. It changes you. It establishes God's will and law and beauty in your life. It's, this isn't even the only place in the Bible where it talks about the Bible like this. First Peter says, I having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Well, there you go. It's It's living. It's not stagnant. It's not just words on a page. You're not just reading the history of David in the Old Testament. You're reading the very word of God that is active. And it says not only is it alive, but the word of God is active. It's effective. It does stuff. It does stuff. Isaiah would say the same thing. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and it shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So it's through the word of God that the spirit of God does work. So you know what I love about that? I just get to lay this before you and then watch the Holy Spirit just smoke you fools. Like I just get to be like, here's what the word says. And because it's alive and it's active and it's effective, then God says it's not gonna go out of his mouth and not do what it's supposed to do. It's gonna convict you. It's going to move you. It's going to shape you. It's going to make you go, I am a sinner. I do need Jesus. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is living. The word of God is active. And then finally, the word of God pierces. You ever start a morning time in the word and like you're just reading because you know you're supposed to because you're a good Christian, but like gold stars. And then you get to that, like you just start reading a verse and out of nowhere, you're just like, ugh. That, it pierces. It, it cuts through all your defenses. Maybe you got a hard heart that week. Maybe you're just not listening to the Lord that week. And then you start reading about this like everlasting love of God that can't be taken away and nothing can, I mean like, and you're like, <gasps> that is the word of God piercing to the soul and to the spirit. You have a soul inside of you and the word of God gets into it. It gets after it. It touches what I can't touch with my hands which means you can't hide. It means you can't hide. You can play games, you can come here and smile, I can be like, how you doing? You can be like, blessed to be a blessing, you know what I mean? Uh, you can't hide from the word of God because it's gonna out you, it's gonna push you, it's gonna say, hey, are you loving like Jesus, speaking like Jesus, thinking like Jesus? Are you filled with the spirit? It's gonna ask you to do things that don't make human sense but are the word of God because it's his will. So you're, once again, you're a Christian because the word of God found you. Now, some of you, if you're smart, you're thinking, well, why do you keep talking about the word of God? Why do you keep talking about like this is true and this is what we build our lives on? Why do you keep talking about inerrancy? Hear me. Cobblestone Community Church. I am a continuist because this living, active, piercing word of God bids me to be so. This, it's the word of God Chill out. It's the word of God that tells me to eagerly desire to prophesy. That's Bible. That's not Andrew. 
Go to 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 tonight. Not right now, but tonight. And just read them in their entirety. Don't skip out. Don't pull out one little word and then break it down in the Greek because I know you want to do that, you nerd. But just go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and then tell me after reading those books that you don't think, man, this should be really happening. This is what I should be after. This is what I should be asking God about in an eager manner. But here's the thing. At Bible school, they told me that to do that would be foolish because somewhere in there, I'm probably going to hear wrong. Except now I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to hear wrong. But then that's where 1 Thessalonians comes in. So grab 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 19. As you're going there, there's a few other things the Bible says. The Bible says that the gift of tongues, the one that weirds everybody out, everybody weirded out by tongues. You're like, I don't know what that is. I don't completely understand it either, but it's in the Bible. It says it's to build up and strengthen the inner man. It's in there. I'm not making this up. Uh, It's the sacred text. It's the word that is living and active that tells me that God will give his dreams to to his kids. And he will give words of knowledge to build us up in Jesus. Did you hear me? To build us up in Jesus. Cobblestone is continuous because we believe the Bible. If you give me a cessationist, and you give them 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, they, they have to even admit, well, that's in there because it's instructing us how to use those gifts. You can't get around it. It's in there on purpose. And, and so 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 mixed with Hebrews is the backbone of our belief. I, I, in fact, I know for a fact, John Johnson, the other pastor on staff, he has 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 on his wall because God has been prepping us for this This happened last week. I got to figure this out. Anywho, 1 Thessalonians 5.19 is a letter to the church of Thessalonica. No kidding, right? Uh, and it's a warning again that there's a fake revival coming. A fake revival that's going to be full of emotions and people falling away. And it's like, watch out for that. And this is what he says. 5.19 through 22. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. It's abstain from every form of evil. That one, memorize it. It gives you two do nots and a do. I love when scripture does that because you can't get around that. I mean, you can, you can act like you didn't read it, but it's in there, right? It says, don't do this, don't do this, and now do this. Don't do this, don't do this, now do this. So first thing, do not quench the spirit. Now, there's great debate what that means, but I'll tell you what I see in Scripture. That word, if you break it down, means to extinguish. You got a fire happening, pour some water on it. You got a fire in the stove, squirt one of those smoky things that we played with in high school. Like, like this is fun, all right? Quench. It's to put out. And, and in the Bible, you can see that by resisting the work of the Spirit, you can quench. That by neglecting, like, I don't see you, Spirit, you can put it out. You can quench by ignoring, you can do all that. I mean, you can stop some really beautiful gifts and things God wants to do in your life by quenching the spirit, by acting like he's not there, not important, and that Jesus didn't say, it's good that I'm going away because the helper's gonna come. So even though I am bent a certain way, like if even like my close friends, I'm pointing at Jeremiah, he knows I'm bent a certain way. He knows that, like, I go Bible easy. I go knowledge easy. I go, I go a little bit, like, pessimist easy. Like, I better go test that. I don't believe that. I need them to prove that that thing happened. That's, that's how I'm bent. Over the last, well, especially over the last year, but over the last 15 years of my life, God has sent me some extraordinary, don't take this wrong, charismatics, some really weird people. Have you ever met a charismatic? There's some weird people. Uh, <laughs> Right? I mean, just weird, where, where they're like, I was, just, I was just in the third heaven with the Lord, and I saw, and I'm like, what? I was in First Thessalonians this morning. Where were you? With Jesus. I'm like, oh, okay, tell me more. Right? Just, and I love it, though, because it, it, they're just weird. And, and so by the grace of God, he has just given me these experiences over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you about one of them. And she's actually sitting in this room, so I hope she doesn't get embarrassed. But uh, I felt like two months ago. 
I was sitting in my office doing my pastor stuff, which is like making phone calls, calling people, sitting, you know, just really cool, exegeting Greek, things like that. Um, I wasn't, I don't know what I was doing. And I just had this overwhelming desire to go pray. Now, you would think a pastor would be like, pray, let's go. But I was like, I got stuff to do. But then I felt like the spirit was like, go pray. And it was more like a command and, and less of like a, that would be a nice thing that a pastor could say he did at the lunch hour. Uh, and, and so I, I pray in the woods, so I go off into the woods. And I, I spend some time with the Lord. The first thing I pray is like, all right, Jesus, I'm here for you. I want to hear from you. And the rest of the prayer walk was pretty normal. Uh, as I step out of the parking lot in, onto the blacktop, there is a blonde young woman running at me, almost. I mean, be, like just beelining towards me. And she waves, and I'm like, <laughs> she, she comes up to me. She's like, hey, Andrew, uh, I was praying at my house. I guess her house is over there. Uh, and she says, hey, I was praying, and the Lord told me that I was supposed to go tell this vision to whoever came out of the woods at church. And I was like, oh, lucky me. I, I came out of the woods at church. Here I am. So uh, at that point, I'm like, I, my, like, my Calvinistic, like, conservative Bible background is just going like, alert, alert, alert. Right? So cross my arms. I'm like, give it to me. Right? So she proceeds to tell me this amazing, just this picture of what I'm talking about to you today. That there's these two, these two mountains. One is the spirit and one is truth. And in the middle is this presence of the Lord. And, and then she's like, that's what I got. And I feel like I, that God wants me to push you into that. In fact, it was almost like a threat. She's like, I will push you in to being a pastor. And then she went, okay, bye. And I was like, like, okay. (laughs) That's how I remember it. She might remember it different. So that, right? That's weird, right? Like that you would be sitting in your room and then God would be like, go tell whoever this this picture. That's weird. Are you all like, no, that's not weird. I love that. Well, cool. Sermon over. (laughs) Have a good day. It's weird. It's heavy. It's like I don't, have a, I don't have a Bible that says, all right, two mountains and a river. And, you know, I don't have that. But I, I do have a Bible that says God does give words and he does give prophecies. And I'll tell you I can, what I got to do. I got to test that. Because everything after that, it was almost like God increased my faith, my, my love, my desire, my like, almost like I could see charismatics, who I didn't disdain before, but I, I, I had a genuine love for them all of a sudden. And I was like, it was like God cemented into me through a word that my role was. And for the first time ever, I was like, I can do this. I'll hold on to these both. And I'll willingly say to the church, it's okay to be filled with the Spirit. And it's okay to have these gifts. But do them right. And it's okay to love the word. But it's not okay to be an angry, stingy, suit-wearing white guy that's a Calvinist. Sorry, that was really, really specific. Um, but like, it's, it, why are you so angry, brother? You have the word. Come to the spirit. Like, it's okay to have both those things. And in fact, I've said for a while that where those two things come together, there's like power, there's life, there's revival waiting. Um, and so here's the thing. When, when I look at that, if you were to ask, what's, what's the spirit of God do? Well, well, the spirit of God makes much of Jesus. It makes, I mean, it's just like a huge deal maker about Jesus. The spirit doesn't point to itself. The spirit doesn't even point to the gifts. The spirit points to the son of God. And so I got to look at that and been like, Jesus, I wanna make much of you. Jesus, I wanna lead your church. And that's what came out of that encounter with that girl in the parking lot because I came out of the woods and God led me at the perfect time to go into the woods that he was speaking to her that we would meet up and God would encourage my heart. So here's the thing. It is much easier, I have watched, to know this, to know what this says, to fill your head with it, than to do it. You know that, right? Much easier to fill your brain with systematic theology and facts about God and how we are just this, we got to hold to the truth and we got to call everybody heretics. It's easier to do that than it is to walk it out and live it. And so the warning from Hebrews was today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't quench the spirit, but test, right? So don't quench, 
and then do not despise prophecies. Now, here's the thing I know about prophecies. Super easy to despise. Do you know that? It's true. They're really easy to despise. They're really easy to despise because you have somebody come to you, right? Like in a church like Cobblestone. um, And if we haven't had the conviction to kind of teach into this, and we haven't had the conviction to grow people up that have these gifts, in fact, we're not even acknowledging them. They use them wrong. They use them immaturely. And then you despise. Fun little survey. Anybody ever have a bad experience with somebody with one of the gifts of the Spirit? Like you saw it used poorly. Someone just told you something weird. Get your hand. Come on. Like this has got to be a lot more people than me. I'll do all my body parts. Like, right? Where a brother came up to me and he's like, God has told me. And it was wrong. And I was like, and I was, I was kind of like scared about it. Like God's going to get me because this guy just told me that God's after. Like it was just hard and wrong. And so it's easy to despise prophecy, but really, let me give you, I, I had a definition. I keep going back and forth with my notes, but this is, I'll just define prophecy. We'll do it more in this series. Prophecy is a supernatural word given to a person for someone else to build them up and encourage them in the Lord. That's what it is. You're talking to God, and he's like, go tell Bill. I don't even have a good example. Like, go tell Bill tire iron. And you're like, Tire, tire iron? And then you go tell Bill, tire iron. Uh, and then Bill just starts weeping because he's like, yesterday there was this tire iron and I hit it with my car. And it, like, that's how this stuff works out for me. Where God's like, go do this. And I'm like, that makes no logical earthly sense. But then I get to see God do some work in somebody's life because I'm willing to listen to him. So here's what I know. Every other gift in the Bible, so teaching, leadership, hospitality, well, not uh, administration, all those gifts, uh, they get coached, they get patience, and they get built up. They get a lot of, like, growth. I'll ask you another. You ever heard really bad preaching? Some of you are like, right now, yeah. Um, you ever heard, yeah, you ever heard bad preaching? I mean, just terrible preaching where you're like, please stop. Don't do that. And then, like, I've been there, right? And so when, when that guy comes off stage, he's like, I just love the word of God. And you might be like, well, just read it. Don't talk about it. Just sit down. Like, like, right? Now, that guy gets coached, though, right? When I started, like, 13 years ago, it was not pretty. It wasn't refined. There was no, like, but people, men, godly men and women came around me and went, like, you know you could do that better, right? You know what would be really nice is if you had one point that went through the whole sermon, my kids' ministry director says that to me with every sermon. She's like, it'd be really nice if you just have one point. Like, you know, I'm like, I'll have 18 points if I want to. Um, have you, I mean, have you ever done a terrible job of evangelizing? Right? Like, just in your youthful angst, you're like, you're going to hell if you don't come to church with me. That's bad, right? Not probably the most beneficial. But we still teach, right? We still teach, we still preach. We, we still evangelize, but I know, I know my youth guy in, in high school, he pulled me aside. He's like, Andrew, you might want to change your tactics with reaching your high school peers, um, t- yelling you're going to go to hell, just isn't getting a lot of like movement in them. You know, like that's growth. That's, like, he's coming around me and growing that gift in me. But in all of these, we don't give the same luxury to these gifts because they're weird and we don't understand them. And so it's easier to ignore them. And so the Bible's gonna say, hey, here's what evangelism looks like. Here's what preaching looks like. Here's what it is. Here's what it's not. And so when it comes to the sign gifts, it says don't despise prophecy. But we say, well, that's complicated. That's messy. I saw somebody do it wrong once. So here's the baby out with the bathwater, right? That's what we do. And I, I, my whole point today is it is not wrong for me to say to you, Follow the spirit of God in accordance with the word of God. That's Bible. And will we get it wrong? 100%. But it says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Did you hear what he said? Test. 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 I'm just gonna keep yelling, test. Test everything. And you'll 
this verse is what made my heart leap this week. You know why? So for every occurrence of one of you coming up after this message and going, Pastor, I have a word for you now that you've unleashed me, I get to test that. I will test it. And if it's completely unbiblical, I will sit down with you and I go, that's not true because it does not line up with the word of God or it doesn't make much of Jesus or it's a, you just tried to destroy me with your prophecy. But prophecy builds up. Prophecy builds up the church. And so he doesn't say, notice what he doesn't say. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. He doesn't say, be careful. Be skeptical. Be really, really safe. Ignore it for most of your life. But if you have to, break glass for prophecy. He doesn't say that, does it? Does it say that? Does the Bible say that? Y'all are not going with me. I'm going to preach different right now. So this is how you test and discern, because I'm out of time, and I'm just going to keep talking. Two questions. Does it make much of Jesus? Does it glorify, exalt, lift up Jesus Christ? If someone comes to you and it does not do that, you can ignore them. You can Actually, don't ignore them. Correct them in love. Secondly, does it stand in opposition to his word? If they come to you and they tell you anything that's not in here, don't listen to them. And then tell them. You know what that requires, though? You to know this. You have to know this, then, so that when someone comes to you and say, I was, I was hanging out with Jesus, and I just want to humbly put before you that I feel like God might be saying to you this thing, now you go pray about it, then I get to go pray about it and I get to go test it and I get to go, oh my gosh, that builds me up, that makes much of Jesus, that's in line with the word. I think you heard from the Lord, praise God. Test everything. So if, if you have a background, and I know some of you do, we've we got a weird collective mix in this room. You have a background from charismania, like you, <laughs> you grew up like not Pentecostal, but super Pentecostal, um, and you're like, I, I grew up in woo-hoo land, Andrew, where like every week I, we were faking it. It was fabricated. It was not of the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. That is not my goal. Or maybe you're in here and you're like, I was flipping through TV channels. I came across TBN. There was some blue-haired lady. And they were doing some weird stuff. Not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is the power of God and the presence of Jesus amongst his people defined in his word for the glory of God. I'm talking about word and truth, or truth and spirit. I'm talking about this true connection, this remarriage of everything I see in the Bible. And I've asked men, why don't we see these things? Why can't we pursue these things? Because we have to play it safe. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of not pursuing. I'm tired of looking at the Bible, command me to desire prophecy and being like, well, I see that command, but I'm going to ignore that one and really attach my life to this one. No, 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 no. This is the word. And so do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. I'll end with a story, and then I'm going to pray, and we're just going to get out. We were supposed to have a last song, but I talk too much. Um, so some time ago, the, uh, the elders of the church, they asked me to tell them what I thought about our leadership, my job, what I was doing, what I wanted to be doing. And so I took it kind of seriously because I ended up writing like an 18-page document, um, which is just my style, all right? And I gave it to him, but I was really like, I was struggling with it. It said some really honest stuff in it. I didn't want to hurt anybody, but I wanted to be honest. So I'm praying and I'm seeking. And out of the blue, uh, I get a Facebook message. I, I didn't see it, but my wife did. And so it's this guy from Michigan. Uh, and, and this guy from Michigan was like, hey, I was praying for you this morning, uh, and your name came to mind, and I just wanted to encourage you with these words from the Lord. And in this Facebook message, he proceeds to tell me and address everything that was in that 18-page document. Now, here's the thing. I messaged him, or she messaged him back, and she's like, do you know Andrew? Have you ever been to Cobblestone? His reply was, no, I don't know who you are. I was sitting in my living room praying, and I heard the name Andrew Holsworth, and I started praying, and these are the words I, want to, I thought I was supposed to give you. Do what you want with it. What? Right? So, so apparently, 
God wanted to let me know that he sees me and that he speaks by talking to my brother in Michigan who then was bold to message me on Facebook and be like, hey, you know all that stuff you're worried about? God's got that. I saw my wife, my wife, woo! Yeah, I know, right? This has been my life on repeat for the last six months. People in parking lots. People being like, I had this dream, it's kind of weird. And then I'm like, that ain't weird, that's just scary cool. But like, that takes some faith, right? That takes some like leaning into scripture. That takes some understanding that like we are going to stumble and I'm going to have to come around you and you're gonna have to come around me and we're gonna have to be like, that doesn't line up with scripture, brother. What you did there, that wasn't prophecy, that was immaturity. Like, we're going to have to actually have some grace and some growing and some love for us to be a church that truly is led by the Spirit and taught by the Word. But what would it be like if we weren't afraid to pursue it? What would it be like if we were, we were actually curious? If we would actually open up our hearts and go, all right, God, here's the thing. This is what you think I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to pursue the gifts. I'm asking you to pursue Jesus. I'm asking you to be gung-ho about everything and anything that God wants to do in your life. Test it, get after it. And so here's your pastor's heart. Here's my heart. Cobblestone will be a place of spirit and truth. And I guarantee you it's gonna, be, it's gonna get weird. And I guarantee you somebody's getting rebuked. But it's all part of being a family, right? Like kids stumble and you pick them up. Teenagers make a mess. And you gotta be like, don't do that. Right? You might even have to ground them for a little bit. But if we want to see this true, like, this true moment where those two things come together, it will require those that are mature and know the word to help their brothers and sisters that are over here just hanging out with the spirit. But I'm, I want those people with the spirit with me. Teach me. Pray for me. Come up and do weird things. You hear the Lord speak to you? I'd love to hear it. Right? Let us grow in this. Like, as a friend says, won't he do it? Won't he do it? So let's pray, and then we're just gonna get out of here. I'm sorry, band, I cut off your last song. Jesus, you are worthy to follow, uh, regardless of our comfort level, but if your word says it, we wanna obey it. And so, Lord, we submit to you. Holy Spirit, we are not afraid of you. And I, I repent, Jesus, that, for a while, we have been. Uh, and so, Lord, I pray that you would protect us from charismania, that you would protect us and quiet any fears, that you would show yourself alive and you would penetrate our hearts by your word, that you would quiet our fears about your spirit and you would replace those with the beauty that you've shown us in your word that there's power and there's life and there's gospel and there's grace and there's everything that you wanna do spelled out in your word for the spirit and the word to me. Make, make this place a, a place of spirit and truth. In your name, God, amen.